From Luminary Media, this is Karamo. You know I'm all about helping you get to the emotional core of what's happening in your life. And on this show, you're able to call in and speak directly to me to get advice to navigate those hard issues that you're going through. Hey, friends! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Karamo. Today we are discussing invisibility in all of its complexity. Now, all of us at some point in our lives have felt invisible. But how do we get to a place to feel valuable when our minds tell us we are worthless based on people's inability to see us? And how do we remind ourselves that even through thick and thin we can do our best without feeling the need to seek out validation from others. You know, that becomes even more complex of a conversation when we talk about communities that are very much marginalized and really feel invisible in our world. For me, this conversation was really important because as a black man, a gay man, I have felt invisible in many environments throughout my life. And I've had to do the work on myself and challenge others to think critically about how they treat me so that I could feel visible and I could feel seen. So today we're going to step away from our regular format of having you all call in and speak to me because I've actually invited some of my friends here to speak to me. This is going to be a part one and part two because I think it's critical to have this conversation not be limited to just one point of view. I want to give somewhat of a breath to different experiences of people who are feeling invisible. And my first guest is a friend of mine and someone who I love dearly. You know her from Orange is the New Black, from her many magazine covers, and from being an activist and someone who has been a trailblazer in helping people who feel invisible to feel seen in our world. And her name is Laverne Cox. I am joined in the studio with someone who, first of all, I admire, Mm -hmm. look up to, respect, am so glad to walk next to, so glad to follow their trail as well. Um, my sister, Laverne Cox. Everyone give it up for Laverne. Thank Um, you, Karama. Oh my God, that's so sweet. No, it's just the truth. I mean, you are somebody who has always been, um, this is back from your Diddy days that I've been in love with you. You know, I know your Diddy days. I'm one of those real fans. Most fans don't know the Diddy days. The OG fans. Yeah, the OG fans. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but I'm so thankful you're here today because mm. you know this show is all about helping our friends around the world heal, grow, have the happy lives. And a lot of times people look at you and I and mm -hmm. say, yeah, they've had adversity, but they've made it through. And I think one of the things for us to do, part of my responsibility, and I think you feel the same way, is showing people like, yeah, you can do it too. Yeah, you know, and the growth journey has never stopped. It's you no. Know, there's many more things to learn. There's many more sort of struggles and obstacles that are still coming up on a daily basis. And so the work to it's like an onion. You peel away th certain things and like, oh, that's good now. Oh, there's something else. <laughs> that's good now. Oh, there's something else. And yep. there's always something else. Yes. <laughs> so I want to go back to that first layer of onion that have you ever peeled back, mm -hmm. where you felt like. You know what? I don't feel seen in this world. What was that first layer for you? Oh, God. Well, the weird thing about my story is that I was always someone that people noticed. I was very feminine. I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. I was very feminine growing up. I was assigned male at birth. I'm transgender, for those who don't know. And so I was always noticed, mm -hmm. but very few people knew me. And I think what... It was really when I started getting bullied in in preschool. So bullying started when I was about five years old. When I basically when I started interacting with other kids, I was I was bullied, and I was um, bullied because I um, the kids said I acted like a girl, mm -hmm. and that I, because I was very feminine, and I didn't fight back. And when my mother would hear from the teacher that this was happening and my mom was like, well, did you fight back? And her whole theory was like, if you fight back, if you fight the bully, then they'll stop. And I felt I was above fighting with bullies. Recently, I broke my foot and I was at the airport and I'm in the airport a lot, so they know me. And um, <laughs> one of the guys working at the airport was like, oh, what happened to your foot? Did you get in a fight? And I was like, I don't physically fight, but I fight for my rights. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so my mom said, why are you fighting back? And so I immediately f knew that what was happening to me at school was really horrible, but then that my mother was not a place I could go to for solace, for protection, mm -hmm. that I would be shamed again by her. So I was being shamed at school for being very feminine. And then I was being shamed by my mother for not fighting back. And she also shamed me for being feminine as well. So that it was really the, that my, the way that I didn't have the support from my mother. Mm -hmm. um, that was really the piece where I was like, okay, I have to start presenting a front uh, or presenting a self to the world that is not authentic. Yeah. So it happened like about five years old, I would say. Which is a yeah. lot for a young person. Because usually the person you turn to, especially at that age, for most people, is mm -hmm. your parent. Yeah. It's like, no matter what you're, what's going on at school, no matter what's going on with your siblings, that's the person you say, I don't feel right. I don't feel seen. I feel invisible in this world. Yeah. Um, and and they start showering you with love. But that wasn't your experience. I think the important thing, though, I mean, my mom and I have worked through all this. This is none of this is news to yes, her. Yes, yes, yes. We've talked about it. I've been in therapy for almost 20 years over it. She's actually gone to therapy. She's not a therapy person. And so we've worked through all this. So this is like, you know, so I'm not like, you know, bashing my mom. And the truth is my mother did not grow up with the tools to be able to handle intimacy, mm. being a loving parent, because she didn't experience. She got a lot of love, actually, from my grandmother, but my there was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of trauma. Um, so that was something that she just passed down. She passed down what she knew. And so, but the, but the beginning really was, was around five years old. And like, and this thing of not being seen and then having to sort of put up a false front was something that I learned I had to do to survive very early on. 
I was creative though when I danced, and um, that's what got me through my childhood, is that I had a creative outlet from the age of five years old till third grade. I begged my mother to put me in dance classes. I know dancing was a big thing for you uh-huh. as a kid, too. And in third grade, my mother let what me What type t- of dancing? Um, when I started dance training at, in third grade, I was tapping jazz. Nice. My mother didn't want me to take ballet because she thought I was too gay. Yeah. Um, and then I started studying ballet in high school. I went to the Alabama School of Fine Arts. So, oh. And that's when my serious dance training started, and I was a dance major in college. I'm jealous because that is literally the path that I would have been on if if the same thing my family didn't have those fears of telling me little boys can't do that that makes you fill in whatever blank you know what I will say about my mom is that even though my third grade teacher Miss Richway was like take your that child out of those dance classes that's making them gay Um, my mother said no because she wanted to take dance classes when she was a kid and my grandfather said no oh. and so she was like I'm gonna let my kid do what they want to do and I mean I, I, I could cry right now thinking about that because it was so um it's what saved my life it's the reason I'm here yeah um for sure yeah so I think, and I've been saying this for years, I think if we can find something that we love, that we're passionate about, that we can work towards and, and put energy towards, that is, that's the life-saving thing. That was what saved me as a kid. So when you sure. were in dance, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's when the first time you felt seen. It wasn't even about that. I felt free. Yeah. I felt free when I was dancing. I was always dancing. I danced everywhere. I always had music in my head and I was dancing. I would dance in the grocery store and back in the day there was actually physical education in, in, in schools and we had free play and PE and I was always over dancing. I had music in my head. I was just dancing all the time. And so I just felt free. I was bullied because I danced, but there was validation when I started doing talent shows and winning trophies. So I loved, I was very competitive as a kid. I'm still very competitive. You do not want to have a game night with me. It's like really not cute. Uh, <laughs> I turned into someone else. I just like, want to let you all know, pro- I want that game night now because I'm super competitive. Oh. And I like somebody who can go for it toe to toe and not get sensitive at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. So I'm down for this game I get game really emotional. The first time I did Hollywood game night, I, it was like afterwards I was kind of embarrassed I was like Laverne this is for charity okay. like, you <laughs> like, need to like relax okay. um, but but it was so it was the validation of trophies I was like oh if I win a trophy then my mom will say she's proud of me if I win a trophy then it's like I'm valid if I make all A's in school like then my mom is like my child is making all A's and then I'm in so it, I became Really, my childhood, there's a wonderful book called Drama of the Gifted Child that kind of talks about the, the children being valued for what they do and accomplish and not for who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's some problematic things about that because it, because I was everything was associated with what I could accomplish and what I could do. I love that I worked really hard because I wanted to win the talent show and I wanted to, you know, make all A's and I wanted to be, you know, be public speaking champion. I was public speaking champion in eighth grade. Yes. (laughs) Countywide. And the accomplishments made me feel good about myself. But the reverse of that is when when I wasn't successful by some external metric, then I felt like nothing. I felt like a failure and and it was shame. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Perfectionism is not healthy striving. Brene Brown is really clear in her work that um, healthy striving is a great thing, but then perfectionism is an indication that there's shame there. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if I am perfect enough, if I, you know, make all A's, win the talent show, then I am not going to get hurt. I'm not going to um, be made fun of anymore. I mean, for me, it was 10 years ago when I got my own show on VH1. It was a makeover show called uh-huh. Transform Me. Yep. And I was a producer on that show. I co-created it. I was starring in it. And this was a lifelong dream to be starring in my own TV show. And as we were shooting the show, I had imagined my whole life that once I was shooting, starring in my own TV show, all the pain of my childhood would go away. Everything would be healed and I would show all the bullies. And that feeling did not come. And it was just, it was actually the opposite. It felt really empty and... That's when I realized that it's an inside job. Yeah. That's when I realized that there is nothing, that nothing outside of me can fix what's going on inside that's, of me. That's the key. And I think a lot of people yeah. start to feel as if, like, if I don't feel seen, if I don't feel as if I'm getting the love that I know I deserve, then if I start to do these external things, that all of a sudden I'll be validated. The shame I feel, the fears I'm feeling, everything will go away. And that's exactly the opposite yeah. of what will happen. Yeah. You'll get to that space and feel like, well, who am I? Because at the end of the day, if people can't see you outside of the accomplishments, then you don't feel as if you still have your identity. Yeah. So when was the first time that you started to say, because I heard you say, I got there and I felt empty still. Yeah. I still didn't feel good. When was the start, first time that you felt seen for just being you outside of the accomplishments? Oh, my gosh. Oh, the, the, there was a moment with... A kid in college, I went, when I went to um, Indiana University for two years, and then I transferred to Marymount Manhattan College in New York. So I went to um, college in Bloomington, Indiana for a couple of years, and there was a kid named Tom, I won't say his last name, and we were friends, not like really close friends, but right before I was going to leave for New York, we got together and just like, I mean, we had pizza and just talked. 
And it was honestly the first time I remember someone really listening to me and wanting to know what I had to say and think about something. And I just remember being kind of just floored by this sensation of someone seeming to be really interested in what I had to say and listening and just present. So this, I was, um, I probably would have been 20 years old, Mm -hmm. around 20 years old. So this is the first time I felt really listened to and heard and seen and sort of admired, not for like, moving to New York and a lot of people were like, oh, she's moving to New York, even though it wasn't she at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, There was... I felt I felt seen. It was the first time I really sort of felt seen. And it was an interpersonal thing. And then I, of course, got a crush on him. And, of course, he wasn't available. <laughs> um, which is a whole other... That's like is a that book. a reoccurring thing? That, oh, yeah. That's a very... I, I Unavailable men were like... If you were unavailable, then that I, I was like, yes. <laughs> I want you. For sure. Oh, my God. You're not available? Great. You're it. You're, you're it. it. Yes. The gag is when you pick the available man, are you emotionally prepared to receive the availability? Well, that's it. The truth of me choosing unavailable men is because I was not available well, emotionally. Well, that's it. I was not available and able to actually be in an intimate relationship. I had so much work and so much healing to do on myself yes. to actually be able to be in a relationship. Yeah, you, Girl. You gotta preach, preach, preach. But that's the truth. But that's the truth. That's, that's why I tell people that you got to do the work on yourself. Amen. Everything you do starts with I. If yes. you're not starting with I first, then anytime you start to turn it into I into we, then it's always going to be destroyed. Because you can't recognize the available man if you were in this space still where you, whatever healing that has to ha- happen. And I think part of it, oh, my therapist is so good. Yes. Um, she, <laughs> she, she said to people who have experienced trauma, and I'm, I have experienced tons of it, um, they will take... They will take an alarm bell. A person mm-hmm. who's experienced trauma will take an alarm bell and make it a dinner bell. Mm-hmm. And the work of healing from trauma Oof. neurobiologically is to create new um, neurotransmitters so that we can recognize the alarm bell for the alarm bell and the dinner bell for the dinner bell. And that is some really has been some very intense work Hold for on. me. I love that. We take the alarm bell and turn it into the dinner bell. That yes. is so powerful. Girl, when my therapist said that to me, I was like, <gasps> seriously? I was like, oh, I was sitting in the therapy. I was like, oh, girl. Okay, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, stop. I'm going to record that. And then I wrote it down later. And that it's is just, real. But the, it's real because that's what I did. And that's what I did for years. Yeah. And so I'm like beating myself. I'm putting my head against a wall because why can't this man act right? And I'm like, girl, he's not available. You have taken all the alarms. All There's the alarms turn him into a dinner bell. Yes. My God. But yes. you know what? The, the, and feast having a six course meal okay. off of crumbs, honey. <laughs> off of crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the, the honesty of what you're saying in that is true for, like when I used to have clients who felt not seen, mm-hmm. they start to do things because they want that validation. They want that love. So many people know that I worked as a social worker and a psychotherapist mm-hmm. at the Los Angeles LGBT Center. I'm aware. And majority of my, of my kids were young trans girls mm-hmm. who I still keep up with to this day. And... And they were on that journey of loving themselves and healing themselves and seeing themselves, but they still felt invisible because they would walk through the world and the world would tell them, because of who you are, you're not enough. 
you're not special, you're not beautiful, you're not kind, you're not worthy. Yeah. And though they had me countering that message and though they had a couple people countering that message, it still wasn't enough for them. Well, it's not enough if there is a whole system in place. There's a whole system in place that tells you you're not enough and that you are subhuman. There's public policies in place mm-hmm. that reinforce that. The people that you are dating mm-hmm. are reinforcing that and the people you're having sex with are reinforcing that. I think around the trans part of it is twofold. So it's it's 2007, Candace Kane becoming the first openly transgender actress to have a recurring role in her primetime TV show. Yes. The show was Dirty Sexy Money. And the moment that happened, I was like, it is possible to be openly trans and to be a working actor. That moment changed my life. I sent out 500 postcards that said, Laverne Cox is the answer to all your transgender acting needs. Before that, I was studying acting very seriously, but not fully claiming my transness. In these postcards, I claimed my transness. I I had four meetings. The manager that I have to this day, Paul Halepo, was one of the four meetings. And we've been together now for 12 years. That 12 years? I've never known this story about you. You sent out postcards that said... Laverne Cox is the answer to all uh, your transgender trans acting needs. Because there were, at the time, wow. there was you had the Law & Order, the sex worker on Law & Order, or the sex worker anywhere yeah. on TV. And there were like these little trans roles that I would see other people getting, and I would see on television, and I didn't have an agent at the time, so I couldn't even do that. And so when the Candace Kane moment happened, I was like, this is the moment. I was yeah. like, this is the moment, girl. You need to, like, bring it. And that Was, was this that- prior to Diddy or before after? It was the year before Diddy. Uh-huh. And because of the, the Candace Kane moment, I, I sent out the postcards and then I just started sending myself out for, on everything. I've been doing a college tour for um, like seven years now. And, yeah. and going around the country and telling my story and sharing it has been so healing for me and, and being greeted by people who come out specifically to see me, which is amazing. And sharing my story and being met with so much love has been really healing. Yeah. It really is. And I think it's it's tricky because I think um, you don't want to get, you know, be famous and get into kids, you know, and think that like just getting love from audiences is going to heal your stuff. Mm -hmm. This is part of a larger process. A larger. um, A much larger process. Um, But it's been really, it's been wonderful to to just get to be in my truth. Yes. um, And to take risk to tell the truth. After Transform Me was a colossal failure. Um, People didn't get it. It was fine. And I was like, this actually isn't what I'm, I'm meant to be doing. I'm an actor. That's what I've been studying. That's what I've always wanted to do. And so I recommitted to acting, found this amazing acting teacher named Brad Calcaterra, who was starting an acting class in New York City for specifically for LGBTQ actors. Um, one, of the, one of the things that Brad would say to us in class is, what do you not want us to know about you? Mm. And starting with, what do you not want us to know about you? And we, he would create a safe space so that what, hap- what was said there stayed there. And no judgment, no shaming. And... That's where we start. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you not want people to know? And really creating intimacy in acting is about those things. But then creating Im- intimacy with yourself is also about those things. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Can you tell me something that you wouldn't want people to know about you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not on the radio. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I've kind of, like, spilled a lot of my tea yeah. over the years about, um, but what I'm struggling with now is age. It's the age thing. And I've been taking the risk to talk about how old I really am. Forever 21 is not just a store. <laughs> um, literally, my I've been... Um, I've been over 21 for a very, very long time. <laughs> like, that was my official age. The first time the New York Times they actually came to Brad's Act Out class, and they interviewed a lot of the students, and they interviewed me, and they were like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm over 21. Yeah. And he was like, no, we need to know. I was like, I'm an actress. It's not about how old I am. It's about how old I can play. Thank you. And then a few weeks later, he calls, and they're doing a fact check, and he was like, you know, we're doing a fact check, and we really need to know how old you are. And I said, I'm over 21. And he was like, I was like, I'm over 21. That's all that matters. And literally, the article comes out, and it's like, Laverne. Cox, parentheses, over 21. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a big deal. But I'm really unpacking. That's the that's the onion stuff. I'm really unpacking what the story I've told myself about around age. Some of it's, like, real. Yeah. And um, we live in an ageist culture, especially for women. And then I'm hundred percent. And so my story was I'm undateable, unfuckable. I'll curse and you can bleep me if you want. And unhirable mm -hmm. after a certain age. And I've been that certain age for a very long time. And then... Another thing that came up in therapy Hold this on, but week, you said you've been over that age, whatever that age is in your mind. What was that age? 30. 30. And so, are you having sex? Oh, yes. Are you, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, thank you. Are you working? Oh, yes. Thank you. So, so you're right. So, all the things that you had in your mind. It was, it, the, the truth of it is that, that it wasn't the truth. Um, but then, de even deeper than Hold that on. stuff. Can you just say that again? That's beautiful. I'm sorry. The truth of it was, it wasn't the truth. The truth of it is, it wasn't the truth. Ooh. The story, the story I told myself Ooh. around all that age stuff. But at the same time, and the tr but the, also the truth is, I have been, I recently heard that I was not cast in something because they thought I was too old for it. And I, I don't even know how many times I probably have been passed over for something because they don't always tell you. I just yeah. happened to find out this time because of, of my perceived age or however the age, there's like, I think three different ages on Google. Um, I'm not sure how that happened, <laughs> but I was very happy when it started happening. And um, But the other piece was I'm... Um, the failure piece. And this for a kid who whose identity was defined by 
achievement. I, by the time I was 30, I was supposed to be famous. I was supposed to be rich. I was supposed to, like, all these things were supposed to happen, and it didn't happen. And I felt like a failure. And that is really the deeper part of it, feeling like a failure and um, because I hadn't accomplished the list of things that I was supposed to accomplish by a certain age. And the beautiful thing that I've learned is that um, God's time, not my time. Mm-hmm. And that the truth is I was not even be- it, remotely prepared yeah. to be able to receive the responsibility of being famous and a working actress when I was 30 years old. I had yeah. so much more work to do on myself and I can barely handle it now. Yeah. And so I, these are the things I understand p- deeply and profoundly now. And I'm now wrestling with talking about these things publicly more and just because it's, it frees me. Um, it's, it's freeing to let go of the shame stuff. But the, the thing I will say is I booked... When, right before I booked Orange is New Black, I was going to stop acting because I turned 40 in 2012. And I thought, it's, I'm, it's, it's done. I'm, I should go do something else. I was going to go to grad school. Um, I was preparing to, um, go, you know, apply. Yeah. And did the audition for Orange. And obviously, things, you know, my life changed completely. But I was on, I was um, 42 years old on the cover of Time magazine. I was 45 years old in a swimsuit on the cover of Cosmopolitan South Africa. My career like kicked kicked into high gear when I turned after I turned 40. Yeah. So I mean I get so emotional like just saying that out loud cuz I it's still really uncomfortable so that's the thing I would say that yeah. I don't want you to know. But, but it is I, can, I just mm-hmm. have to tell you that's really beautiful. And I I just I I started applauding not out of like being cheeky but like serious like we know in our society how they treat mm-hmm. women, oh, yes. um, actresses over a certain age. Oh, yes. And you are defying all of that. And it's sort of as if most people know you for defying the realms of what a trans actress can do. And I'm doing air quotations because there's no trans actress are just like any other actress. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Amen. And here you are defying it again with your truth. And I think that's just so beautiful of saying, no, 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 no. I did all of this. After the age, you thought I couldn't do this. Yeah. But it's scary to say it out loud. Yeah. It's still like a... <gasps> yeah. Because it's just, it's deep. I literally have been like... I don't I don't, I don't want to say lying about my age because I don't like to lie. And I think whenever, like, when I met my boyfriend, like, you know, it said a certain age on, on Tinder. I met him on Tinder. And I met him and I said... I'm not, just to be clear, the age on Tinder, I had to put an age. That was the, I'm not that age. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. <laughs> if that's an issue, we can peace out now. Uh, yeah. But I just want to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, over 21 is not a lie. Yeah. Um, that is the truth. Um, but I've been been cagey about my age re- since like 2000. Yeah. Like for like 19 years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it, th- there was a fear there. And I don't think that fear makes you crazy. It, it, it makes you protective of wanting to still be seen. And yeah. that's that's literally what... You know, and, it's and like, honestly, and it's it really is the fear of like becoming invisible after a certain age. Yeah, you know, and I, and and that unfortunately is the truth for a lot of women. And so, um, I just you know I just, I don't want and I I don't ever want to subscribe to like this ageist like paradigm in any way. Um, but a lot of this has just been about my survival. Yeah, you know, and like trying to sort of I'm like I'm already black and trans yeah. trying to have a career and now I'm going to be like over 40 girl like good luck yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so but it, you defied that already oh you've already god. defied it god help me yeah
the truth is it can all go away. Yeah. And so then if it does all go away, what what is left? Mm-hmm. And and I and not being defined by any of that stuff is really important. Again, not being defined by something outside of me. Even though I'm really proud of what I've accomplished and so grateful for my life, I this is this is new. I was creating tools and doing work on myself without all this stuff, without all this, these lovely privileges and, you know, met balls and things. Yeah. Um, and so then if it does go away, I, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, you will be okay. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing people need. Laverne, can I just tell you how you just inspired me and how much I love you? <laughs> I just had to tell you. I just had to hold your hand and tell you how much I love you. Seriously. Uh, I, you know, what's great is oh. I had no idea what was going to happen, but then it's it's you. I feel like America wants to just sit down with Karamo and tell, <laughs> I guess, spill all the tea and get get it all out. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I am feeling extremely honored by Laverne's kind words about me, but I'm also feeling so inspired. And I feel so amazed by her vulnerability and ability to talk about an issue that she's never discussed. The complexities of not feeling seen just as a Black woman, a trans woman, but also now to hear her talk about ageism and how as people age, they feel invisible in our world. And so I just want to thank Laverne again for shedding light on all of her identities and how she works through it to feel seen and how she helps others. And friends, I hope that each of you have heard this podcast and have gotten something to help you feel validated in your own experience, to know that you are worth it and to know that no matter what other people's perception of you or lack of perception of you, you are still destined for greatness, that you are beautiful, And that as long as you can look in the mirror and see yourself and love yourself, that is the first step in feeling seen. Friends, thank you so much for joining me as always. And I'll see you next time. Karamo is presented by Luminary Media. Produced by Little Everywhere. Hosted by me, Karamo. Music by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band. Remember, this is an entertainment advice show. If you need direct help or direct advice on a physical or mental issue you're currently dealing with, please contact a professional in your town who can advise you. As always, friends, for more healing and growth, check out more episodes of Karamo on Luminary Media. Luminary Media.